happen. And it seems to be one thing that has always gotten in the way. The world, the love of the flesh, pride of life, those things get in our way sometimes. And we start to put other things before God. Did you know this morning that anything that comes between you and God concerning your love life is an idol? That may sound hard, but it's true. He's to have first place in our life. But many have fallen away. Many were deceived that this life was better, that this life could give them more than God could ever give them. And many have fallen away. They made professions of faith. They claim eternal life, even many of them, as the prize for trusting in Jesus. And yet they have lost the life of service for the King of Kings because they've been weakened and deceived and defeated by the things that these old fleshly bodies deserve and crave. And so many times fall prey to. Now there in Galatians chapter 6, we'll move right on into the Scriptures. I will say this, that my prayer today is that you are walking close with the Lord. And if you're not, my prayer is that you'll hear something today said from this podium, something said by the Spirit of God to your heart that would cause you to draw near again and become committed to the Lord in fullness as He loves you to do. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10 for our text today. Very familiar passage. Many of you could quote it. It leads back to that problem I was talking about just a minute or so ago. What is that? Deceit. Deception. That trick of the arch enemy of the Christian, Satan. He is busy walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Trying to deceive us and lead us astray. And cause us to look at the things we have here and can handle with our hands and say, This is better than anything else God could ever give you. We don't want to be deceived like that. And so Paul writing to the church at Galatia, you would remember that Paul founded many churches there in the Roman uh, providence of Galatia. And as Paul usually did, he kept close contact with those he won to the Lord and with those, to the, with those churches that he established. And so we see the Apostle Paul writing another letter, writing sometimes even in bonds. That he might stay close to those that he'd witnessed to of Christ's love. And that he might assure them and encourage them as they went through difficult times. And here he's writing to the Galatians. And the book can easily be divided if you're interested in this. Chapters 1 and 2 talk about Paul's personal affirmation. Sharing how God's grace changed his life. And how he became uh, from Saul to the Apostle Paul. Just by the power of God upon his life. When he de dedicated and gave his life to Christ. Paul is writing here in chapters 1 and 2. He talks about his personal affirmation. Grace got a hold of me. And grace is greater than all our sins, he said earlier in the book. But then he goes to chapters 3 and 4, and we see him then giving a definite declaration of what the Scriptures say. Sin hath abounded, but grace hath much more, much more abounded. There's power in God to overcome any problem you have or I have. What we need to do is exercise faith in Him and trust His Word, and He'll work for us. Paul said, I have personally received the grace of God and been transformed. I declare unto you what the Scriptures have taught concerning the grace of God. And then finally, in chapters 5 and 6 of the book of Galatians, where we'll look today, he says there's practical application here. I love the Word of God for this reason. God never left us without telling us how to use what He just told us we ought to do. Isn't that great? 
how to use it. And in chapters 5 and 6, we see Paul explaining how grace works in the daily lives and how every believer in Jesus Christ can have personal joy every day as they follow the Lord and trust Him. But there's some things can get in the way. And so Paul says in verse 7, Be not deceived. Now, you is understood there. You know that in grammar. You, be not deceived. Don't let anything come into your life. Don't let anything steal your love from God. Don't let anything change the way you look at Him. Stand in awe of our God as you serve Him, as you live for Him. And so Paul says, listen, in this practical application, I want to help you. Some have fallen away. Some have slid back. Some have quit altogether on God. Some are thinking right now about how much better it would be not to be here today even. We all not to be having those thoughts right now. Some wait to the very last minute to prepare to come to God's house and then try to make a decision whether or not they really need it. Yes, we need it. Yes, we need Him every hour. We need Him every day. Practical application, Paul says, first of all, if you're going to walk with the Lord, if you're going to stay close, if you're going to be one of those who is loving and experiencing and enjoying your Christian life day by day, be not deceived. What's it mean to be deceived? What's deception really mean? It means to fool or trick or lead someone to believe something's true that's not. Uh, to take their mind and cause them to doubt. You know, the Bible's full of warnings for us about those things. This, uh, doubt will come along, just as it did in the Garden of Eden. When Satan, that master of deception, spoke to Eve. You see, it's easy for us to get our eyes off of God and on the things we've got in our hand. And if we're not careful, what will happen? We'll listen to that deceiver as he whispers in our ear. You know you'd be better if you did this. You could spend your time a lot better than being there or doing this for God. Come on now, get involved. Life, you only go around once. Take advantage of it, he'll say. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He is a destroyer. He could never take away your, te- your, your salvation, but he can ruin your testimony and my testimony by leading us into some type of deception that will cause us to fall away. Cause us to not love God with all our heart and all our mind, all our soul. Cause us not to live, give our lives to Him for Him to use the way He'd be desired to do. And so Paul says, here it is, number one, church. Be not deceived. Now I found out that deceit can come two ways. It can probably come many ways, but it can come basically from two sources. We can be deceived by others, or we can be deceived by ourselves. If we look at how to be deceived by others, you'll find that if you want to enjoy freedom given you by God's saving grace, you must know the truth in order to avoid deceit. I saw a lady not long ago, and I spoke to her about it. She had a Bible laying up in her back window. Can you imagine in 99 degrees of heat, a hot sun boring down, how long it takes before this doesn't look like a Bible anymore? There it laid. And so I said to her when she came out, she was wearing a shirt that said, Christ is my life. And I said to her, ma'am, I love that shirt. Thank you so much for that testimony. And she looked at me like, looked down to see what her shirt said. And I said, well, you're representing my Christ, my Lord, my Savior, my King. And I'm so thankful to see that. Thank you. And she said, well, thank you. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Why is the Bible up in the back window? My Bible's in the back window? Oh, that's your Bible? (laughs) No, I didn't say that, but I thought it. 
And then she explained how the children had put it up there on the way home from church last week. Now, I want to challenge you this morning, church. You'll never know the truth of what God would have you to do and how he'd have you to live if you only pick your Bible up when you start the church. Or if you only bring it along then because it's a part of your cell phone today. Now, I'm not here to scold you or fuss at you. I'm here to help you as I've been helped by this passage of Scripture. If I'm not going to be deceived by the great deceiver, I had better know the truth. And I had better live as though it is the most precious thing I could ever possess. Why? Because others will try to deceive you. Do you realize we live in a deceitful world? How many of you would? I know preachers deceitful out there today. Oh, if you don't, let me share a couple things. The liberal news media is very deceptive today. Oh, yes. Uh, Not reporting news anymore as much as making it. So it sounds the way that it makes them sound like the best network for news. And we get all caught up in those things. That's deception. The U.S. government is quite deceptive today. I'll not go any further there. I might ruffle someone's feathers. I found out that politics do have feathers. You figure that one out, okay? The liberal news media, the government, let me give you another one. How about businesses of all sizes, shapes, forms? Huh. <laughs> that reminded me. I said that, and the, and the lady squirmed, and Mama got up and taken her out. Now, don't everybody look. It reminded me of my old preacher, the preacher I was saved under. He said one time I was preaching a revival and said I got real loud and boisterous in the pulpit and said about that time the baby started crying. said Mama stuck a pacifier in his mouth. That didn't satisfy it. It's screaming and yelling. And said I finally, I, I, I didn't know how much longer the baby was going to go on, but it didn't matter. I went on to preaching and kept preaching and suddenly she got up and started out. And he said, I stopped her right there. I said, hold it, ma'am. Well, don't take that baby out. It's not bothering me. She said, I know, but you sure are bothering this baby. So I didn't point that out because I, I started to say, man, that my baby's not bothering me, but I, I better not do that. But anyway, we have all kinds of deceit. All kinds of deceit. Businesses are deceitful. Advertising, marketing, good business to make money. But have you ever done anything, Christian friend, that took advantage of another one with them unknowing and you really felt good about it after you left? That's deceit. That's how deceit works. So what we've got to do is be careful. Paul warns the church at Galatia, be not deceived. He's been talking to believers. He's been telling them about the goodness of God and how they should always be loving and humble and forgiving if another believer is overtaken in a fault, and we should be. He goes on to talk about the great grace and how much better it is than, than what sin could ever do for us, and, and he's so right in that. And then he says, be not deceitful because he knows I'm convinced Paul knew in his day. I'm sure that many in our day know that they're being deceived from time to time. And yet we kind of accept that as being okay. Let it never become normal for us as believers in Jesus Christ to practice a life of deceit. Because the Word has said, be not deceived. Why should we not be deceived? The second part. For God is not mocked. How many of you believe God knows everything? How many of you believe He knows everything about you? Mm. Everything, preacher? Everything. Yes. He knew where you were last night. He knew what was going on last week. 
He knew how you were complaining about his weather that he was sending to us for some reason. I don't know why. You hear anybody complain about the temperature? Yep. (laughs) What I'm saying is God knows what we need. And we cannot be deceitful in our lives because God knows us. The day you trusted in Jesus Christ, you became his child. He had invested his own son into you and me. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our sins were forgiven. We were promised eternity, uh, an eternity and an eternal home with our Heavenly Father. And we were promised His presence with us every step of the way in our everyday life. Now I'm saying this because to be not deceived is very important that you pay attention to everything you're doing. Why? Because God knows what you're doing. And He cares. He loves you. He doesn't want you to do that. That will rob you of your joy. The devil knows that. He'll try to get you to do these things. Uh, He'll try to deceive you to get you to do things you know are not pleasing with God, and he knows it's not pleasing with God, so that your joy will be robbed from living the Christian life day by day. God is not mocked. What's that mean? It means that God can't be made a fool. God is not going to wake up one day and say, Oh, I didn't know John was doing that. There's too many Johns in the church. I shouldn't have used that name at all. Too many, I can't use Joe either. I mean, it's all kind of, Anyway, nobody should be doing things that they think they're hiding from God because God is not mocked. Paul says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. We ought to be fearful. By the way, I love it when we sing songs about the awe of God, the awe we have for Him, and how awesome He is. In the original language, if you look it up, that really would be better translated awful, meaning fierce, demanding, controlling, able to do whatever he wants to do, and yet so filled with love that he gives us the opportunity to serve him, a loving God. And who overlooks our faults many times, he gives us an opportunity to correct them. And so we've come to the place where we see that he's not mocked, and we ought to watch out what we're doing that is deceiving us. Are we allowing somebody else to do it, or are we deceiving ourselves? There are scriptures that talk about us being deceived and how we deceive ourselves. Many of them, as a matter of fact. Before I go there, let me continue by saying there are scams all over the world. Are your phone rung lately? And it said something like Detroit, Michigan. I don't have anything against Detroit, Michigan, but I don't know anybody up there. And I think, oh, I know what this is. Did you know that my car warranty on my 2005 Toyota van has expired and we're giving you a last chance to renew it? 200, do you know that, I said this the other day, do you know my van has 219,000 miles on it? Do you think I'm worried about what's going to go out on it? Enough that I'd pay you to make money so I'd have a coverage whenever it can? Come on, give me a break. At least... Scan your audience, find out who you're talking to, make calls. No, but that's deceit. And the reason for that is because they make money by doing that. Even older adults, you know, this sad what happened this past week. You heard the news, no doubt. A man who had attended a social gathering in a seniors group for many times walked in on Thursday night of this past week, came to enjoy the free meal and good fellowship, that's what they advertised it as. Won't cost you a thing. Come in and eat. Get to know each other. He came in and had come many times before. But this Thursday night, he didn't come in just for the meal and just to fellowship. About just a short time into the meeting, he revealed his handgun and began shooting. 
three senior citizens wiped out, one injured. Deceit. He came in as though he was going to have a meal with them and enjoy it. It's all around us. Deceit is everywhere. We've been commanded, do not be deceived because God is not mocked. And as Christians, we ought to know that you can't pull the wool over on our God, over the eyes on our God. Do you remember the story of Ai and Achan and the hidden sin? Let me just remind you the final line of that. When God found out who had done it, he said, go and get him him and his family, and destroy them. Do you realize how much God loves you and how much he loves me? When somebody's trying to be deceitful, God is not going to be mocked, and he will go to the nth degree. In this case, he went so far as to take out a man who was serving him in the army and his whole family because he was deceitful. And God said, I don't want that spreading to any of the rest of you. That's why it's so important that we pay close attention to how we're living our Christian life in a church fellowship like this. Thank God for First Alliance Church and the family here. We ought to love so one another and so love our God that we would never let anything creep into our lives that would hurt anyone else here. And most of all, it would not cause God to want to get us out of the midst so we couldn't defile anybody else. Deceit is deadly. Deceit is deceitful. And God is not mocked when it's happening. Why? Because he doesn't want his people that his son died for, paid the atoning work on Calvary for us. He doesn't want them caught up in living in such a way so that Satan strips them of the joy of living the Christian life day by day. And so then we're told there's another reason we ought not to be deceived. Not only because God knows what we're doing and he cares and would prefer us not to live that way. But because whatsoever we sow, that shall ye also reap. Paul went on to say that. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You all know, as I do, the law of the nature. The law of nature is God created it. I remember the first time I heard about a grain of corn being planted in the earth. A grain or two, whatever the farmer decides to drop in that hole, or maybe three or four. Or if you're doing it for daddy like I used to, you might throw five or six in there. As soon as you got the cup empty, you just threw your thought. Daddy always had more. That doesn't work either. That's trying to be deceitful. But we found out with the law of harvest this, that whatever you sow, you will reap. You don't find grapes growing on an orange tree. You've heard these illustrations so many times. You don't find nuts like a hickory nut. Growing on a bush, a mulberry bush? No. No. They produce after their own kind. And when we plant corn in the ground, what happens? First the blade, then the stalk, then the ear, then the grain. And here's the law of harvest. You always reap what you sow. You always reap after you sow. Oh, I know my life's not what it ought to be, but... I. I'm still doing okay. God must be okay with what I'm doing. Be careful. Payday someday. You see, because we always reap what we sow after we sow it. And you always reap more than you sow. Oh, my. I reflected on this last night. 
stayed in my study for some time alone. When I got to thinking about, oh God, I love those children that are calling me daddy today, father today. I love those grandchildren that make me so proud of them. And I love those great grands. Man, you think the grands are grand, wait till the greats come along. They're great. <laughs> and they just get you by the heart and just squeeze you all the time. You, know, you just want to love all the. But I got to thinking about it. I just had to fall out there and say, oh God, please forgive me. Because everything I sowed all along that timeline, everything I sowed, you told me in your word I'm going to reap it. For whatsoever I sow, meaning the kinds of things I sow, the habits I have, the, the pattern of life I live, it's going to fall behind. You've heard the saying, the nut doesn't fall far from the tree or the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, you know, you don't have to look far to find out who my daughter is in this crowd or, or find out who my grandchildren are. But I pray, God, last night, don't let, them, don't let them be deceived the way Granddaddy was. Don't let them be tricked the way Granddaddy's been tricked. Make them wise enough to study the Word of God and know who God is and what He'll do and learn what He says to do and don't. Oh, I don't like the Bible because it's a book of do and don'ts. Talked about that in Sunday school this morning, didn't we, John? God's not doing that because He hates you and wants to scold you and whip you. God's telling you to don't do this and do this and live the way I tell you to and follow me because He loves you. I've used the illustration many times in preaching. I, I've been married 56 years, as I told you. I know, three months and two, two days. But I found out something a long time ago. When I got married, I made a covenant with God and a commitment to God as well as to my wife. And I said to her and to him, till death do us part. Now, I can still do anything I want to do. But I don't want to do those things which would make me disobedient to God and unloyal to my wife. Why? Not because I can't do them, but because I don't want to do them, because I love her. See, if God loves us enough to give His Son to die for us, and when we come to Him in faith, believing He saves us, forgives us of our sins, and gives us the promise of eternal life and His presence forever here, why would I ever want to do anything to hurt Him? And by the same token, I don't serve him day by day. I don't go out of my way to, to, to share with others a, a bit of forgiveness or humility or acceptance that they might not really deserve. I don't, go, I don't fail to go out of my way to do that because I want to. Not because they're worthy of it, but because he's worthy of it. And so I don't want to be deceived because I don't want to show that I don't love my God the way he's called on me to do. I don't want to think I can fool him and make it look as though I'm trying to deride him or mock him or hurt him. And I don't do it because I know that whatever I do, whatever I plant, whatever I sow, I'm going to reap because God's Word tells me that. And so then we look just a little bit further. If I can get you to look with me just one other place, right there in the passage, I believe it's called Galatians chapter 6 and it's verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Mm. God is saying, I loved you so much that I gave my son for you. 
I've invited you to come accept a free gift of salvation that will change your life forever, your sins forgiven, eternity in, in, the presence, in my presence forever and ever. If you've accepted that, I want you to know now that as much as you have opportunity, I want you to practice the law of Christ. Paul mentioned this a little further back. We're not bound by the law today to have to live by it because Christ took care of that for us. However, I am bound by the law of Christ, which Paul mentions here in Galatians. It's the law of love. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. Be affectionate to each other. Show them and love them with the same kind of love I loved you. And most of all, don't let anybody trick you into thinking the things of this world are better than the things of God. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Anybody here ever heard of the Portia spider? P-O-R-T-I-A. Portia spider. He's called a master deception, a dece- deceiver among spiders. It's a jumping spider. It's a small spider. He's not particularly poisonous to, to humans. If he bit you, he will bite you if you bother him. But he's not going to hurt you that much. But he devours, he feeds on other spiders. And here's what he's done. He's become so smart in God's creation of him that he knows exactly what it takes. If a spider lives in a, in a leaf that is rolled up, he'll hop on top of it. And he'll start trying little dance movements. And finally, he'll get that spider to respond as though he's responding to a mating ritual. And the minute he exposes himself, he's dinner. But what happens is the portia spider doesn't forget that. He doesn't forget what that spider responded to. Scientists say it's amazing that this spider has a memory. He knows when he sees a certain type of web what he's got to do. Now, if the web is open, he'll throw himself into the web and then flutter like a mosquito caught in the web. And the spider marches out for dinner and becomes dinner himself. Smart. Now, that's one of God's creation, one that God created long before that. Was that arch enemy I was talking about earlier, Satan. And he knows exactly. He cannot just take away our salvation, as I said earlier, but he can destroy our testimony. He can harm us in far greater way by doing this, causing us to be robbed of our joy and having no effect in the very reason God left us here. And that is to share what he's done for us with others so that they too might come to Christ. The poorest spider. The next time you see a spider, rather than thinking about squashing him, Think about the deceiver and ask God again, Lord, protect me from that. Don't let me get caught up in the deceit of today. Don't let me become one of those Christians, one of those professing eternal life in Christ who is losing the joy of the living for him and their testimony is being ruined every day because they're being deceived into doing things that God would not be pleased with. I thought about that and had another little illustration, but I think I'll let that go for you because... I was thinking about uh, how easy it would be for all of us to say right now, oh me, oh me. I would dare say in a congregation this size, there's probably not a handful of people that have not been deceived in the last 24 to 48 hours in some way. 
I mean, parents deceive their children. Children deceive their parents. We, we, we find some way to get what we want. Oh, it's not, we're not really lying. We're just telling a little, or a little fib, you know, just making it up a little bit. Be careful, my Christian friend. God loves you so much, and he wants you to live for him in these days. I challenge you. Make your life powerful for Christ rather than being a tool in the deceiver's hands that will cause him to wreck other lives that can never come to, or will never come to God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that you share your wonderful grace with us. The mercy first, it withheld judgment, and the grace that gives us what we could never deserve. Thank you, Father, for the truth that by grace we're saved through faith, and we thank you for salvation. Thank you for the new life you've given us in Christ. Thank you for the privilege we have to live and serve him day by day. Father, we live in a wicked world. We live in, a, in, in perilous times, in last days, when men are lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. And Father, we need so much to have your help in these days. We sang about that a while ago. We need your help, Lord. We need you. We need you now. Holy Spirit, take the message, take the Word of God and implant it in our hearts in such a way that we might remember, whether seeing a spider or just being deceived or being deceitful, we might remember what that's doing to damage our Christian testimony. Help us to live a life that's pleasing to you. And we'll thank you. Father, if there's one here, man, woman, boy, or girl, who's never come to Jesus, never trusted in Him for salvation, I pray that would be done today even. Or that they'd be convicted in such a way because of the deceitfulness or sin in their lives that they couldn't wait long until it's done. Father, thank you that you're still saving souls today. Thank you that you're still reclaiming lives who are willing to confess and forsake their sin. And I pray you'd help each of us now to go forth with a desire to live for you. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. We pray and ask these things. Amen. Living for Jesus, a life that is true. Striving to please Him in all that I do. That should be the cry and prayer of the Christian. God bless you. Thank you for this opportunity, Pastor Paul.